This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. A rural town in Saskatchewan is raising concerns about a group of conspiracy theorists that have settled there. The town of Richmond has found itself home to what's being dubbed a QAnon cult. Leader Romana Dedulo has given herself the title of Queen of Canada. You can do that. My gosh, I'm going to call myself the king. Actually, I can't. That's King Charles. Her followers are under increasing pressure to leave the area. Journalist John Lepke has some more details on this story. Hey, John, hello once again. Hello once again. Uh, now for something completely different. Now for goes. something completely different. So what's the background here? How did this all come about? Yeah, so uh, I think it's important for a context that when we're talking about Rich Mound, Saskatchewan, uh, that, uh, you know, we're not talking about Richmond, British Columbia. We're talking about a village of 110 people at last count. Wow. Okay. Um, and Small. what's happened is, uh, yeah, uh, Romana DiGiulo has, um, who is famous in these right-wing conspiracy theory circles, um, connected with the trucker convoy, um, had an incident in Peterborough, Ontario, with some uh, protests against vaccines, has now um, is making her way through Saskatchewan and indeed making uh, threats against people who speak out. Uh, her group is currently holed up in a school in that small town, having um, previously come from Camsack, a nearby community of about uh, 2,000 people. What's the number of folks involved here? I know there's probably a bit of estimation. I'm sure there's some shrouding and secrecy going on, but but you're talking about a town of 110 people. What's the number of folks who are setting up shop there? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's difficult to tell, and, and realistically, you know, we have to go off of uh, reporting from some of the other outlets. Uh, usually, these are are small things, but they're certainly taking up. Uh, what is the former school in Richmond? Um, and uh, reporting from CBC uh, a few days ago, and indeed an investigation they did uh, mid-October, um, says that the group is is holding up, and and the the uh, the school doesn't have heating, according to the mayor. So um, they are they are preparing for winter by buying toques and gloves and and things like that. So they appear, at least at this stage, to be in it for the long haul. What are the concerns the community is raising here? What's what's at issue? Sure. So um, an important part of the story is that the group uh, is has sent emails and messages, um, including threatening public executions uh, of those who disavow the group and, and to cease and desist critiquing. Now, the mayor has come out and said uh, to some of us, we don't care. This is a bit empty air in terms of the threats against us. And then also saying, but rightfully so, community members are concerned. The person who owns the space where the um, protesters are uh, has been charged, uh, uh, according to both him and the RCMP, uh, with assault. He's due in court in mid-November. 
Um, and we have increasing concern about not uh, there was a protest. We just have increasing concern from the community side about how this could escalate and the ways that it is escalate because, um, you know, the feeling is that it's very easy to switch from very violent rhetoric. Uh, public executions are not something you, you tend to uh, see as a, a mode of course, I guess you could say, um, that that rhetoric can very quickly switch to uh, to violence. You mentioned one court date. What is the broader response from authorities, whether that be provincially, locally, et cetera? Sure. So uh, the RCMP, the the, the government of Saskatchewan has sort of deferred to the RCMP, uh, and they have set up a mobile or a temporary detachment, um, you know, choice of Saskatchewan geography. Uh, the, the detachments in the area are fairly small on the scale of thing. We are really talking about small town Saskatchewan here. Um, and so... RCMP have said that they will continue to monitor. Um, and if if the past is anything to go by uh, with the fact that Ramona and her her group, QAnon group, have moved uh, significantly across the country in the last year and a half or so, um, I think the feeling is in some circles that uh, maybe with the protests that the community had and some of the public pressure that this will be moving on just as she and the group moved on from, from CAMSAC. John, let's uh, shift to something a little bit more broad in the province, and that's uh, contract negotiations for teachers in Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan teachers are in the midst of a contract negotiation, and uh, things are not necessarily going to plan. A few days ago, the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation announced they had a mandate for uh, sanctions from their membership. How did the Federation get here? Absolutely. So the... The agreement, uh, the the last agreement that was put in place, uh, expired in August. Um, as you mentioned, that there was a vote uh, last week. Uh, Ninety percent of teachers voted, which is a fairly high turnout, uh, and ninety five percent voted in favor of giving uh, the uh, the leadership committee a uh, uh, the right to sanction in in their name. Now, what those sanctions will look like. Uh, is is yet to be seen. Uh, the last time we saw sanctions from the SAS Teachers Federation, which is the uh, the only union we, we don't split between the uh, the age groups like some other provinces do. Um, it was a work to rule mandate. The last time there was a strike uh, was in two thousand and eleven. Uh, but right now we're at the nobody wants to talk, nobody wants to agree on anything stage of mm. uh, of union negotiations. John, uh, typically, whenever I ask this question, the answer ends up being money. But but what is that issue in the negotiation? Sure. So the STF have labeled nine areas. Uh, they've argued, uh, and it's certainly been reported out, that the only thing the government is willing to come to the table on is money, uh, albeit minimally. Um, some of the concerns of the STF and what the leadership have brought forward and, and teachers is um, things like a lack of supports for uh, EAL, English as an additional language learners, um, speech and language uh, for, for students with disabilities, um, money as usual uh, supports, and things like class sizes and, um, and bringing, interestingly, bringing uh, in our province um, uh, substitute teachers are are not uh, as 
defined in the union agreement, so, so they want to bring them in as well. But as I said, nine areas, and, and thus far the government says that they are only willing to talk about one. The government in, in hand, when talking about these other areas like classroom uh, complexity uh, being the word of the day, um, is that uh, that is a school board concern rather than a teacher concern. It is the argument that it's not a labor concern, um, which obviously the STF doesn't agree with. It, it turns into a jurisdictional wrangling, right? When one level kicks down to another and says, no, no, that's local school boards. And then teachers will say, well, yeah, but you need to give the local school boards the resources for us to actually deal with these quote, and I'm throwing the big air quotes up here with my fingers, the complexities. Yes, uh, you know, chicken, meat, egg, in a way. And um, I think there's an argument to be made within, within the sort of ecology of teachers in this province that, I think the government feels they ha can ha exert more control over the school boards, um, partially because school boards are elected, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. um, then they can, uh, uh, a fairly strong union, um, we've seen more protests than uh, or rallies. There were some many rallies this weekend around the province. There's certainly been some rallying around the previous provincial election. It has not just been a um, a discussion of, oh, our agreement fell apart or, or is not renewed, um, but it has become uh, a wider issue, partially because another thing that I was talking about when I when I come on previously, pronoun policy has really put this in the public eye, uh, as has the role of teachers over the course of COVID. Yeah, no doubt about that one. John, thank you for this. Have a great day. You as well. Thanks very much. That's John Lepke, a journalist based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Coming up after the break, Sony is introducing a new accessible controller for gamers with disabilities. Elizabeth Moeller has some details on that one. I've got some details on a similar product that Xbox has had on the market for a couple of years through Microsoft. And then there's a bigger conversation about accessibility in gaming and what gaming means beyond just sort of physical button mashing. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.